It's another episode of Where You Are, Season 3. I'm so glad that you are listening to this episode. I am sharing my interview with Allie. I always want to say Allie Sheedy. You can tell I'm old. With Allie Stevens, who is a former student of mine and now friend. I think she's so interesting, so mature and smart and funny and unique. She had just returned from the Harry Styles concert in Nashville when we did this interview. So she's still on that high. And we talk about that. We talk about a lot of things, her love of plants. We talk about her journey from uh, Nevada to Alabama, um, all kinds of wonderful things. She has a lot of great insight. I really enjoyed this discussion. And I had a great week last week. I got to see my old high school English teacher, not calling him old. I mean, he was my former, my former high school English teacher, Mr. Daryl Ledbetter. And it's like seeing a celebrity whenever I get to see him, but we got to eat. And at one point he needed to go to Walmart and we were walking around Walmart. And I was like, Daryl, I never thought I would, it's surreal. I just didn't think I would ever be walking through Walmart with you. So I just had a great time with Daryl. Those of you who are listening, you know, and you know who he is, you know how much fun that was. I do want to also acknowledge something and then I'm just going to hop off and get the, let the interview play. I think the best episode that I've ever had on this podcast was with Tom Whitaker, who unfortunately passed away this summer. And I just wanted to acknowledge that here on the podcast for those of you who might have listened to that episode and remember him. And his birthday, I believe, was today, the day I'm recording this. So I am definitely thinking of his mom and his family and his friends, the people who really loved him and spent so much time with him and whose lives he he affected so much. And I certainly am just blessed that he ever agreed to, to do my show. And that is everything I have to say. I hope that you guys enjoy this interview with Allie Stevens. So there you are in your in the parking lot. And my Harry Styles t-shirt. Okay, so let's just start with that. Okay. So <laughs> we can't we can't let that rest. What okay. you've been you went to see Harry Styles in concert. In Nashville, Tennessee. Tell us all about parents. it. It was the best night of my life. And I know that maybe one day I'll get married or have children, but nothing will amount to Harry Styles walking on stage. In his gold suit, suit open, tattoo revealed. He was so beautiful. I was sobbing. I was screaming. The videos 
are horrific. Everybody has been asking me, please send videos. And I'm like, no, like you don't understand. I'm sobbing in them and screaming. You can't even hear this man in the background. (laughs) It was so fun. We danced the entire night. The crowd was such a vibe. Everybody was just so happy to be there and like complimenting each other. And like, they were throwing pride flags on the stage. Harry was running with them. I was like crying. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And um, it, it was just the best night of my life. What, how long have you been such a huge fan? And, wh- and what is it about him that you love so much? I think the past three years, I've been like a major like stan because growing up, I was a really big Jonas Brother fan. And then like when One Direction came out, I was like, oh, I can't hop on that bandwagon too. I always thought Harry Styles was very handsome. And I think that like in the past few years, just with him coming out and becoming a solo artist and everything that he stands for, like, you know, accepting people and treating people with kindness and truly being who you are, that is just like the epitome of everything that I love in a person. And like, how can you not support someone so incredible and hot? Yeah, he's he's a beautiful man. He is extremely beautiful. And I love the way he dresses. It's so, so cool. Those videos that are, I guess they're really popular on TikTok now. The one of him dancing, that that one move that he does. I love watching those. Yes! And I have a million videos of him doing that. I have his Vogue magazine where he's in the dress. I have it framed on a wall. Yeah. <laughs> does your family think you're a little little nuts for, for your... Absolutely. My dad in particular will be like, no one knows who this man is. And I'm like, dad, you don't know who this man is. Everybody else does. And he's like, I don't get it. What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just happy. Like, just let me have my moment. (laughs) But it is a little excessive. Like I have Harry stuff everywhere in my car, like Harry Styles bumper stickers, so many t-shirts, but it's, it makes me who I am. It's part of me. Thanks, Harry. Who did you go with? I went with my best friend, Sam, and she has four kids. So it was like a mom's day out for her too. So it was so fun. She's the absolute best. I couldn't imagine going with anybody else. And just looking over at her and seeing her cry and just the the utter joy, like it made my heart so full to experience that with her. I remember one time, I I feel about Dolly Parton probably the same way you feel about Harry Styles. And I remember going to see Dolly in concert in Atlanta with a friend of mine. And we just mm-hmm. bawled through the whole thing, even yeah. in the happy upbeat songs. It was just something about being that close and in that connected in, in connection with and in that space, you know? Absolutely. Because I feel like you idolize this person. And then for me, like I kept telling Sam, I was like, he's real. He's standing right there and he's that beautiful in real life. It, it really is. It's, it's truly something special. Well, I'm glad I get to talk to you on your, you know, coming down from that high, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> so what, what, you know, you, I first met you, I guess it was in 2016, probably. Yeah. And yeah. you were in my class, I guess, like 101, I, probably. Yeah. So I know that you have a very interesting life and you're very passionate and you have this love of plants and you've lived in a lot of different places. So I really wanted to, I was interested in talking about, asking you about your journey and, you know, where you've been and where you are and where you're going. And so if you had to, if you met a complete stranger, you know, right out there at the, at the concert, you know, and you're striking up a conversation, how would you introduce yourself to say, you know, this is where I was born. This is how I grew up. What would you say? I would say, hi, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I 
I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada, and it is not as grand as you think it is. We don't all live in casinos and the strip may be only 20 minutes away, but there's a beautiful valley with scenery and people who, you know, are just making it. And, you know, there's beautiful homes there and there's rough areas you should avoid. Um, And gambling is the devil. I don't know. It's just very strange, you know, living in Las Vegas your whole life. And then I I come to the South and people are like, so tell me about Las Vegas. And I don't really know what to say because to me, it's not grand like you see in the movies. It's just a valley with homes that happens to be like a touristy area. But I do think that growing up in Las Vegas really shaped me in ways because, you know, you grow up and there's the whole hype that it's this glamorous, amazing place to live. And so like when I turned 21, I was like "Mm, drinking, you know, and you go through casinos to get to movie theaters. So my mom would drop me off at the movies with my friends when I'm 12, 13, and I'm just casually walking through clouds of smoke. And you walk by an old Nana who's there at 8 p.m. and you come out of the movie after movie hopping for a few hours and Nana's still there on her second pack of smokes, you know? So um, it's just definitely an interesting way to grow up. And I think that I was very fortunate because like, my mom was so open with me and my siblings about everything. And I guess you kind of have to be when you live in Sin City, but it's it's a definitely interesting way of life, Las Vegas and, and the glamour and, and what's so not glamorous. And, you know, there's like a major homeless population there and um, a lot of drug addiction and gambling addictions mm. and um, definitely not my cup of tea. So I I love the South. So I ended up here. Let's go back a little bit. Okay. So when I was 15, my mom passed away very suddenly. Um, it was me, my brother, my stepdad, and my mom. And my mom had lupus, several other health issues, but she was incredible. She was Wonder Woman. She never let anything get her down. She didn't want us to see her ill or anything. So she would go and get her blood transfusions and come home. And, you know, she'd have the house immaculate, always trying new dinners, you know, just the best taking us anywhere we need to go. She was so encouraging and just so loving. And her mom, my Nana had lung cancer. And so she was in hospice and my mom was, you know, trying to be our mom and like, go be there for my Nana. And she just really started to neglect her health. And so one day she went into the hospital and unfortunately, never came back out and um it was rough it was hard when you're 15 and your mom's your best friend and you don't go through that rough phase of like I hate you mom and it's not a phase and you're slamming doors just because she was such a force to be reckoned with like her energy and the love that she exuded and she never knew a stranger she'd go into a grocery store and just you know meet a new best friend, you know, and she was just truly all about like giving love and putting your best foot forward and treating people with kindness. And she was a little crazy, but all moms are. And uh, she was hilarious. So I'm very grateful for the 15 years that I had with her. And um, unfortunately, that wasn't enough. But uh, I carry with her with me every single day. And I literally hear her in my head. And one of my, my favorite memories of my mom, I was really little and she was working as a medical receptionist. And I walked in and I said, wow, mommy, you're so nice to people here. And she said, that's because they pay me to be nice to people, sweetie. And uh, I relate to that now. 
um, <laughs> in, my, in my current life, you know, I, I'm glad I'm paid to be nice. So <laughs> <laughs> what is your so. connection to the South that you ended up here? Okay. So my dad was born and raised in Alabama and then just kind of like made his way to Chicago. My dad was a truck driver growing up or in his young adult life. And my mom was a blackjack dealer in oh, Las Vegas. Wow. wow. My dad uh, was making a delivery in one of the casinos and they met and like my mom was like obsessed with him, followed him to Chicago and they got married in the drive-thru in Las Vegas. <laughs> Iconic. Um, ended in divorce, so I don't recommend drive-thru weddings, but <laughs> you know what? It's fine. <laughs> was your dad from Summerton or? Yeah, like Dora. Dora. So, um, and, and my grandparents live in Jasper now. So a lot of my family still lives in Dora. Hence how I ended up in Dora. After my mom passed away, I moved to be with my dad. So you were 15 when you came down. I was 16. I stayed here for a year. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'll move schools. What was school like for you? Like growing up? It was, it was wonderful. I always had a wonderful school experience. I was born with a cleft lip and palate, which is a big part of me. You know, I'm an advocate for that. And I think that growing up, I was a little different than all of the other kids in the, in the fact that there were a lot of summers I had to sacrifice um, to recover from like bone graft surgeries or whatever plastics I had to go through. When I was born the doctors told my mom you know she probably won't eat she won't talk blah 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 blah. and then my freshman year of high school I tried out for a musical and that was really kind of like my fu moment like I made it you know like I'm up here on stage doing what I love I'm the lead role in this musical It, it was just like definitely a passion of mine and I was kind of one of those kids that was friends with everybody, you know, whether you were a jock or a theater kid or whatever you did. I was just kind of like one of those people that got along with everybody and everybody loved me. And I'm grateful for that. And I had a lot of understanding people and um, just the best ever. I, I couldn't have asked for a better experience. And even like, you know, there's memories of when I was a little bit younger of being bullied and it was just kind of like a teachable moment. Like it never really hit me to my core or or made me ashamed of who I was or embarrassed. It was kind of just like, oh, you don't know about this. So let me inform you of why you're wrong and why you shouldn't be saying those things. You know, right. My mom really had a lot to do with it. You know, be proud of who you are and share your journey with others. And I have been able to meet so many people in this cleft lip community and mentor young girls and, you know, just be the face of like, Hey, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through all of these things and they're just going to make you stronger. And my best friend, Sam, who I went to the concert with, I met her through a Facebook page and her daughter, Lily has a cleft lip and she's eight years old. And, um, it's just, it's so cool to be able to like, you know, be there for her journey too. Yeah, so. So there's, there's a community, I guess, online for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. And I've just made so many like lifelong friends through that. And I've been able to be kind of a shoulder to lean on for like new moms or, you know, even young girls who 
are insecure or, you know, they're going through this surgery and they don't know what to expect. And will boys still like me? And like, will I kiss the same, you know, like things that you don't think about, how do I wear lipstick? And it's just, it's wonderful. And I truly wouldn't change it for the world because it's given me so much, you know, and I've met so many amazing people. Well, you're so, you're such a warm and uh, like a gracious person. You have this energy that comes out from you. And I think that probably comes from your experience and I guess from your mom too, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like everything I've had to learn through life. And um, just, I think that the biggest thing is through the years, even with my mental health battle, you know, um, I things got really bad for me in 2019. I mean, like I didn't, I wasn't like suicidal or anything, but it was just kind of like every day I was drifting through just sad and depressed and like just feeling like this is never going to get better. And the weight of the world is on my shoulders. And I'm trying to be this person that I'm not exuding all of this love and energy. And it's just like, I'm putting on an act. Why don't I really truly feel that way anymore? And I remember I would meet new people and, and say to them, I wish you met who I used to be. Mm. And so I finally took it upon myself to get back to being that person. And, you know, I think that it's really important to be vulnerable and honest and, and true to ourselves and get help if we need it, you know, like, thank God for Zoloft. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm you know, like, I think that it's important to talk to people and life is hard and we go through things that are difficult. And sometimes you can't just be happy. And there is such a thing as false positivity. And I felt like that happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. It's not always a choice. And it's okay. Yeah. I think talking about mental health is so important, especially as a teacher. I will tell students, you may, I may have done it with with your class. I will talk to students about about having anxiety and things like that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. this past, the, the, the year, the worst year, I guess, of COVID, you know, it has, I think it's been hard for a lot of people. I think talking about it is important because I don't think every one way out, there's one, there's not one way out for everybody, but mm-hmm. knowing what other people have done, like I really believe in therapy, talk Absolutely. therapy, go into a therapist. And I also strongly support medication. You know, I'm on escitalopram and have been for years for my anxiety, yeah. 10 milligrams. And it doesn't yeah. make me a different person. It doesn't. I recently went through a little something and I was, you know, kind of sad and upset about something. And I thought... <laughs> I could feel the anxiety underneath. And I was like, this is where the medicine is really coming in handy. Because yeah. seriously, there there would have been some long nights if I hadn't been, if I hadn't had that support, you know? And it, it, it truly makes a difference for me. And I'm grateful for that because a lot of people that I know uh, and friends of mine, you know, have gone through such battles with like their mental health. And then on top of that, the medication's not working or having horrible effects. So I'm grateful that for me, it was one and done and it's worked yeah. ever since. And because it's not for everybody. Some people have a really hard time finding the right medication. For sure. I do want to acknowledge that. So yeah. what are you doing now? What is up in your life now? I'm still going to school here and there. It's I, And I think that it's important for me to acknowledge here, if anybody's listening to this and you're a 20-something year old, or even if you just graduated high school, everybody's journey looks different and yes. comparison is a thief of joy. Um, I just turned 20. Say that again. Comparison is the thief of joy. Absolutely. Yes. And comparison biggest thief of joy. And I think that growing up, we all have these ideas of what our life will look like and where we'll be at certain milestones. Um, And I just think it's funny. Like I was a child, I was naive. I didn't know what life was truly going to be like and, you know, bills and 
my coffee addiction. <laughs> so I am a registered behavior therapist. So I work with kids with autism. And basically, I just do one-on-one ADA therapy with them. And um, I teach them like whatever skills they're lacking in or lacking is kind of a poor choice of word, but things that they want to be better at, you know, or that their parents feel they need help with. So it can be something as minor as like learning to brush their teeth or tying their shoes. And let me just say right now, teaching a child to tie their shoes is a treacherous battle. It is not something that I... It's horrible. I would rather potty train to tie shoes. Really? (laughs) Absolutely. Anyways, so working with these children is the most rewarding thing that I've ever done in my life to see their growth, everything that they teach me in life. I'm the lucky one. They give me so much peace and, you know, I'll go out into the world. I serve on the weekends too. Mm -hmm. So I work seven days a week. Oh, Oh, no. God. Lord help me, but it's worth it. Especially after all that money I spent at the concert. Um, <laughs> too much. Wait, we should much. use this podcast as like a telethon to raise money for your, to recover from your <laughs> ticket costs. <laughs> Go find me. <laughs> um, Anyway, so they teach me so much about life. And so like, I'll go to my job on the weekend and people are like, you truly are like such a joy. Like, thank you. You have made this so pleasant for us and you're just a good person. And I'm like, that's extremely loaded to assume of you, but thank you. (laughs) And it's just so hard for me to be bitter or unhappy or not wake up every day with just a good attitude towards life because I work with children who have limited capabilities sometimes. And why would I not be happy when I've been so blessed and fortunate and, and just being in that, those shoes of, of teaching and helping others grow is, is very humbling. It's the best thing in the world. I love it. I love it so much. That's good. It sounds so, like you're in a, a good place then, except for the fact that yeah. you're having to work seven days a week. Yeah. I made some poor decisions with credit cards and um, I decided to live a very lavish lifestyle by getting Ulta credit cards and buying $300 worth of makeup. So the main important thing for me right now is like making sure that my credit stays good and getting all of my balances up and whatnot. And then also moving back across country this year, I I didn't work for two months when I got here. And that was just not good. You're back in Alabama, right? I'm back in Alabama. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And just playing catch up with that. Oh my gosh. I think talking about, there are two things that we don't talk about enough, mental health and financial things. You know, in my 20, in my 20s, I went to Europe with my best friend, Pam. Well, but I ran up credit cards to do it and I was in debt and it, and I got, and then I, I stopped paying. I'll admit it in my twenties, I made a bad decision. And then I had to start paying. The the short version of the story is that I ruined my credit. Right. And it took, but there's hope because I did work and work and, and I got everything back in order and I have a good credit score now. Although I hate the idea that so much of our identity and our worth revolves around our stupid credit score, but still I was able to improve it. So, but it's hard being in financial distress, having debt, especially student loan debt or anything Absolutely. can contribute 
to, it feels like one of the biggest loads, I think it can contribute to mental health problems, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just remember like first moving here and my best friend Chase, uh, I would just tell him. I love Chase. I love Chase so much. Uh, And my angel, I, I I wouldn't have been able to get through a lot of things without him. And I really accredit a lot of my mental health journey and like going to get on medication to him. And just, I love him so much, but, oh, he kept saying like, you'll be fine. You're just a person who needs to work or be doing something. And once you get back into work and in the swing of things, you'll be fine. And so he was right. He was yeah. right. He's always right. <laughs> Uh, it's so good. Friends are really, I, I have some of the best friends too, who really re- recently when I went through a little crisis, uh, it's the f- friends will pull you through, you know, really good friends. Absolutely. It's a really good thing. What do you think yeah. about, I, I think that you're one of the most thoughtful, interesting students I've ever had and people oh, that I know. Um, you're so sweet. But I wonder what your take is on where we are. I like to ask people about this. And you don't have to get political necessarily, but what is your idea about where we are in our country right now? Like you've got all this joy and, 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 and I know you have a pain too, but like you're in a good place. Mm -hmm. How do you feel as a, as an American? Do you know? Very scared. Um, and I think that I have I think it sounds really narcissistic to call yourself an empath, but I truly feel like I am. And I take on a lot of the emotions and um, I'm very influenced by other people's opinions and emotions and stuff. And so I feel like with social media in particular, the pandemic and, you know, the recent election and we have a new president and there's a lot of people that don't like that. It's a very hostile place to be and you can't escape it especially with the pandemic now, everybody makes it such a political thing, whether it's the vaccine or wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. And I'll joke with my friends. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll say, are we going to be Republicans and not wear a mask? Or are we going to wear a mask? <laughs> um, which is horrible. And that's not true. We're all Republicans. Like, no, I know, Republicans I know. Mask too. But I just always think that's funny. But I think that for me, I have to prioritize peace and mental health because I didn't have peace for so long and fought for that for so long that I think that you truly have to know when to pull away, but also acknowledge the fact that all of these political issues and and everything that's going on in the outside world does affect us, even when it doesn't feel like it does. And I think that you just really have to do your own research and take away what's important and leave the rest because there's a lot of opinions and a lot of toxic information and the media is so detrimental and contributes a lot to a lot of the fear and anxiety of America. And I just think that we truly have to be mindful of of what we're intaking and just do the best that we can and make informed decisions and just give peace and love because I'm not one for political debates. And I think that it really shows the ugliness of people. And even sometimes in conversations with my friends, I'll have to say, look, I'm not comfortable discussing that. I love you, but no. Yeah. So I think that's wise to be able to say that a lot of what I'm interested in when I ask people about, you know, America right now, it's not political. Mm -hmm. It's that what it feels like, you know, that hostility, that d- divisiveness, that to me is what's 
so bothersome. I've had political differences with people. You know, we all have political differences. For um, sure. But it's something about the way it's just taken control emotionally. There's like an emotional darkness or something. And it's like, it drags you in and you can't escape it. Like all of the pressing issues in America, whether political or not, it's everywhere. You go on Facebook and it's, it's there. You go on Twitter. It's there. I have the Buzzfeed app. They send it to your phone of anything happening or, you know, even celebrities, a big part of America. And you see like what they're going through. And it's just like, my goodness, like, But I think that it's important to remember that we are all in this together and we have to remember to love others and put love into the world. And it makes a difference, even if it's just one person. And I I always say that's so important. Even if I'm just going to Starbucks, they all know me by name. It's kind of embarrassing. Sometimes I don't do mobile orders and I'll order it and they're like, Alexandra, is that you? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes. How are you doing today, Pamela? You know, I think that it's important to love others and just, you know, if you see something good in somebody, tell them and maybe that they'll take that and they'll go out into the world with it. And then slowly, maybe it can be a ripple effect and it won't be such a hostile place to be. And it's just awful. Well, you know, when before the pandemic, I I (laughs) was a big fan of eating out by myself. I love doing things by myself. I will, I would go to the okay. movies, anything. And there are places I don't go anymore really because of the pandemic. I don't like to go in restaurants still, but I'm, that's just me. But um, yeah. they would know what I, the people would know what I want. So here I am this like middle-aged, you know, guy yeah. coming in, there's that, you know, Jimmy guy, he wants the yeah. you know, steak medium. Well, so I right. was that person. They knew my name and what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty iconic. And I mean, I would be lying if I said I don't take a little bit of pride in that. (laughs) Part of me, the iced coffee queen. And, um, you know, they'll ask about my plants and it's just hilarious. Like, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things I love, first of all, I was going to say this in response to what you were talking about with all the negativity in the media and everything. I took Mm -hmm. a four month break from social media and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Uh, but one of the things I love on social media is people like you who post, Mm -hmm. it's not that you've got, we don't have our heads in the sand, you know, but we're, I think you and I both are trying to like not put negativity out, you know, and I love when you post about your plants, Mm -hmm. what is the, uh, what is it with plants and you? So I started my plant obsession during the pandemic as well. Um, and I think that a lot of people grew, a love for houseplants in the pandemic. So I'm grateful for that. But it all started for me with succulents. And I was living in Nevada, so they were thriving. I can't keep a succulent alive here in in Alabama. I don't know what it is. But I mean, if you look at a succulent too long, they'll die. So (laughs) you've really got to pick your battles with your plants. There is just some kind of joy. I think of it in terms of like, if I buy a new plant, I'm buying like everlasting joy. And it's just kind of fun to be responsible for something and to see it literally grow. And it sounds so crazy, but like, I'll put my plants next to my record player and I'll just let them listen to Harry or, you know, with Matt. And I talk to them and I tell them how beautiful they are. You name them? I do. Yeah. Yes. My favorite plant is... um, her name's Natalia and she's a monstera 
And that girl has put me through the works. <laughs> she is expensive. She's had gnats. I kept her outside all summer. She was in timeout. But How do you get rid of gnats on plants? Just put them out. There's neem oil, which is, is, I don't even know what's in it, but they say that in all the Facebook plant groups to use that. There's also um, like specific soil you can use. I've, I've seen something about like using cinnamon, but that makes me nervous. So, but I'd say I probably have about 15 plants. I would love a lot more, but it, it really just bring me so much joy. It's such a simple joy that makes me so happy. And it sounds so crazy, but like you can almost feel energy off of plants, like when they're happy and they're thriving. And it's just, it's, it makes me happy. Like, wow, I'm really keeping this thing alive. (laughs) That's so cool to me. I just love seeing your posts about plants. I'm not, I'm not horrible with plants before the fire. You know, I had a fire last year. Uh, I had some plants that were, that I'd had for years uh, and that, that they didn't last, uh, <laughs> but how long do you keep your plants? Have, have any of your plants ever died or do, or do you keep them alive forever? I've cut, ca- I've killed three plants. Um, I killed mainly from overwatering or buying them from like, I like to buy from plant nurseries. There's a really awesome one in Birmingham called, um, Botanica. I'm pretty sure it's woman owned. So that makes it a little bit better. Like nice. it's just I've been there and they had like a velvet couch and I try not to buy them from like Lowe's, but sometimes you can't turn down a good deal. And I bought like a fiddly fig from a Lowe's and I, I tried to rescue it and save it, but it just didn't make it. And then also I've learned a lot about different watering methods. And so I had a peace lily. They're very thirsty plants, but somehow I managed to overwater it. And that was one of my very first plants. So I'm giving myself grace for that. Yeah. Rest- but um <laughs> yeah some plants just die and I I think that it's so funny because I did go to Botanica um I went with Kylie Romine and Chase yeah um, for my birthday and we went and I was talking to the guy that works there about a calcea that I died and he was like some plants are just really rude like <laughs> they're just not gonna make it and they're very beautiful but just skip it if you know it's one that you can't love for or that you can't love and care for to its fullest ability, just skip it. And I was like, you know what? You're so right. I needed to hear that guy in plant store. Thank you. So what's the difference? This may be a stupid question. The difference between plants that you would find like at Botanica and plants at like Lowe's or Walmart or Home Depot or wherever. Okay. So like Botanica and Birmingham, for example, they call them plant nurseries. And I feel like they truly are just cared for and loved. Whereas in like those bigger stores, they're just like jamming them in there and they're not really cared for. It's just not good to buy. And I would rather pay the extra money for a plant that I know that has been cared for and loved and they're really knowledgeable about rather than just go to like Lowe's and they're on their last leg and just not doing well. It's almost like you're rescuing them there. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I call it, a rescue mission. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is switching the subject a little bit, but I remember one of the papers that you wrote back in, I can't believe I remember this, but it feels like it was about theater. I think it was about your theater experience in high school. I'm curious because, you know, I was in theater way back in my Mm -hmm. undergrad in high school and, and I directed a play at Bevel once, but I don't, I still have that theater thing in me that I love theater, but 
I don't really perform much uh, right. at all, really. So I wonder it, where does where is that gone? Do you still do any performing? Do you want to? I would love to. Um, I think that in the season of life, I definitely can't. And I think that like early on when I first started college, it was something that was hard to let go of because it meant so much to me. But obviously, you know, I still listen to show tunes and, and see shows whenever I can. But I don't think that the inner performer in you ever really dies. I no. think that it's something that stays with you and there will genuinely be no other experience like stepping on a stage on opening night and with your cast that you love so much and that you've grown with who have seen you through so many things. And I would love to perform again. I just don't know when or if it will ever be in the cards again. Yeah. But it, it truly is one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And what was your favorite play that you did? Definitely the Glass Menagerie. Did you who did you play? Amanda Wingfield. Okay. Yeah. And it was just so cool because that was the year right before I moved to Alabama. So I was a junior and I moved schools actually after my mom passed away. So um my junior year and like I auditioned and just got the role. And I was like, wow, maybe I am like this is something I'm good at, you know? And um, it helped me so much with like grieving too. Yeah. And I think that art is such a therapeutic thing of life and it's so healing, whether it's music or painting or acting or anything like that. And I think that it's important to do one of those things every day. Yeah. Do you do something like that every day? I try to paint a lot. They're really? not very yeah, I paint a lot. And that's another thing I picked up during the pandemic. I always paint flowers, only flowers. Wow. And um, it, it brings me a lot of joy as well. So I like that. What, <laughs> what do you think, you know, how you're in your 20s, right? Mid 20s. Yeah, 23. So you're, so you're also very mature, but I wonder you. what you think. I spent a lot of time wondering about what identity is and, you know, how how we, do we even try to define ourselves? I hate defining myself by career. I don't know if you feel the same Mm -hmm. way, but a lot of people, a lot of people Mm -hmm. who know me, who who know me as students think of me as a teacher. And I don't know what that means. I just feel like I'm Jimmy. And, but I wonder how you, do you, what is, how would you describe who you are at your core? Or is there such a thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because Chase, again, I keep bringing him up, but like he is the center of my life. (laughs) Um, He and I talk about it a lot, you know, along again with mental, mental illness, again, with like comparison as a thief of joy. We have talked about, you're sadly mistaken if you think that when you graduate college and you get your degree, you're suddenly going to find the key to happiness and be so fulfilled. Right. I don't think that those are the things that fulfill us or make us who we are. I think that our identity is just like what we love and what we put out into the world. And I, I can't say that enough. And it sounds so cheesy, but I would hope that people would identify me as somebody who's happy and just always tried to make everybody else happy too. And the things that I love, like plants and iced coffee and Harry Styles, you know, and journaling and gratitude and and just all of the things that make me happy and make like small pieces of who I am 
I think that's our identity. It doesn't matter what our sexuality is, what our religion is, what what we do for our careers. Like those are just such small minuscule pieces. And I mean, we're like mosaics that are made up by all these things and that's what matters. But I just feel like people have this wrong conception that their careers are who they are, that things are going to magically get better. And maybe it's just like where I am in life and a lot of my friends are coming up on graduation or you know, they have graduated and they're starting their careers and they don't really feel the way that they thought they would feel. And I just think that it's important to focus on the things that we love rather than the things that we do, unless they're bringing us joy. I mean, a job's a job. We're all going to have to pay bills and I don't know. Yeah. I think there's just, and it may be, maybe it's been like this forever, but the idea when I was growing up, I always felt it was there was this sort of linear progression that you're supposed to be climbing, climbing uh, like a straight line up, you know, like <laughs> you're climbing towards this career perfection or something. And I never really fit into that because I did retail for a while and then I'm now I'm teaching, but yeah, yeah I, maybe I've, maybe the, the, my need to feel like I have to I'd have some sort of identity for is, sure. is, is a problem in and of itself. I mean, I just want to be and be who I am and explore, yeah. but I also think that could be a very privileged position. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. I struggle with it. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like it's okay to feel that way and feel like you need to identify with something. And I feel like a lot of people go through life and they, they have that same feeling of who am I and what am I doing? And I think a lot of people do struggle with like, what am I contributing to this world and just feeling like they're not adequate enough or not measuring up enough, or maybe if I did this or when I do do this, then I'll feel this way and I'll have this title and everything will work out. Yeah. That's what it is. That's the part that drives me bananas is that anytime in my life where it feels like the future is the justification instead of the now, like yeah. I am who I am right now. I'm not going to be somebody. There's that old country song. I'm going to be somebody someday. <laughs> and it actually makes me sad when I hear it. So I think, yeah. oh, wow, you already are somebody. Like exactly. be that somebody. <laughs> exactly. And you have to be who you are in the present. And I think that a lot of us just wish away our days. And it's the most cliche thing in the world. And we have to truly have gratitude for where we are now. And acknowledge all of the things that helped us get here and acknowledge where we're going, but just truly having the gratitude for where you are now and and see how much you've grown. And I see it a lot. There will be like random things that will pop up on social media or I'll be reading a book about like where you are now. And it's like, remember, you prayed for this. Like you wanted to be here and now you are here. So what are you doing with that? And do you even realize it? And I think that a lot of things we just have to acknowledge and we would have so much more gratitude, which is also very important to me, is acknowledging all of the small things because something as minor as like the sunshine in the morning makes a difference and it feels good on your skin and it makes you happy. So you should have gratitude for that. And those are great anchors for anxiety. If you're if you're a person with anxiety, anchoring yourself into the sensory world around you grabbing hold of something, feeling the sunlight on your face, you know, that really can root you and make you, because for me, anxiety always makes me feel dissociated. And like, I'm, you know, like I'm drifting away. I'm like, come back, come back. For Um, sure. So 
what about, so I asked you where you've been, where you are. Mm -hmm. This might seem ironic after this conversation, but do you have things that you want to do in the near or far future that you're working toward? I've done a lot. And I just feel like I'm such an ever-changing person. I for sure want to finish my degree. I'm probably like a year away now after all my breaks and, and bumps in the road and, you know, financial aid running out or, you know, stuff like that and not wanting student loans. I'd rather just pay for the classes myself. But um, I definitely want to finish my bachelor's in um, speech pathology. So communicative disorders. Um, and I think that it would be incredible to get on like a, a cliff lip and palate support team because they need like speech pathologists and audiologists. And, you know, aside from the surgeons and the orthodontists, like, I think that it would be so cool to be that person who has been through a lot of the same things. Um, and then also just, I think that speech is so important. You know, a lot of our first impressions of people are how well spoken are they, you know? Aside from looks and stuff like that, you know, I always look to people have great smiles, so cheesy, but like, that's my favorite thing. Yeah. Um, so I would love to do that. I'll, I'll definitely finish that because I put it on my list of things to do. So I put it out into the world and I'm going to do it. Good. Um, I, it would be really cool to travel like out of country when I think of like, by the time I'm 30, which might be too big of a timeline, I hope that I find someone and fall in love. I would love to have like one or two kids. I think that I would be a really cool mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. You would be. But, um, thank you. Um, and I think like something that's so cool, I would love to open a small business one day, whether that's like a plant store or like a little coffee shop or like a coffee shop that also has plants. And it's like an area for people Ooh. to like make art. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like poetry slam nights and stuff. I think that would be so cool to like just have that space of like people can come here and they feel joy and they feel safe and, and they can express themselves in these ways. You know, I, I think that, that would be amazing. Yes. Um, but I'm also kind of like, a, I, I undermine myself a lot. So I'll be like, oh, I can't do it. You know, or ah, uh, people might walk all over me. So I think that I would need like a strong force beside me to be able to bring that to fruition. But um, I would also love to adopt a cat one day. I'm very allergic to cats. Oh, no. but, I love, but I love them. And Benadryl is, is pretty cheap. So <laughs> I feel like I could work through that allergy. But <laughs> yeah, just a lot more traveling. Maybe one day I'll end up like living near the beach. I always feel most at peace and like, you know, serene by the beach. I don't know what it is, but it's always very centering for me. And almost feels like I can feel like a higher power God. Yeah. You know, it's always a good place to go. And I love, there's nothing better than reading a book on the beach. I feel like I always read the fastest on the beach. So weird. (laughs) Yeah. Like I can power through two, three books, but like, my to be re- my to be read list is astronomically large. So I know I know how that goes. Just keeps growing. What do you have anything that we haven't talked about that you were thinking like maybe you would want to say on the podcast? Is there any message for Harry Styles? Is there a message for people out there that you want to leave <laughs> with? Yeah, um, definitely Harry Styles. If you ever hear this, <laughs> I love like so much it aches um but not in a weird way like if I met you I would be okay right um, 
or maybe I wouldn't, maybe I would pass out and black out. I don't know. Um, but I think just to anybody listening to this, I think it's important to be honest with yourself, be authentically you. There's nothing more powerful than being vulnerable and owning who you are. Um, whatever that may be, you know, whether it's a person who loves plants so much, you know, or whether you're a person who loves to create, I think that you should own who you are, own who you love, and just know that everything somehow works out in the end. And um, wherever you are, I hope you're well. I really appreciate you. You know, you've, you've, you listen to the podcast. I love that you do that. Big and fan. <laughs> I'm so glad that you agreed to come on. Thank you for having me and oh, working yeah. through all my weird schedules. Oh, well, I was the first one who had the scheduling problem. And then it just sort of snowballed <laughs> from there, didn't it? But uh, yes. we, we got it together. We're good. Um, we did. And I'm glad that our lives have crossed paths and I'm sure that we'll continue to keep in touch. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy you were on the, the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Truly, when you reached out, I was like, oh my God, it finally happened. I called Chase. I was like, guess who asked me to be on their podcast? <laughs> Should have had y'all together. Oh my gosh, that would have been a hot mess. <laughs> we'll, maybe we'll do that next season. <laughs> that would be awesome. Thank you for listening to Where You Are, a podcast created, edited, and hosted by Jimmy Ellenberg. The intro music is Sunrise by Skirk used with permission. The views expressed in this podcast do not represent those of my employer. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day wherever you are.